I'll say good morning to you all. I'm going to send another welcome to any visitors that we have in our presence today, anyone who's from out of town, who's not normally part of this assembly. We're certainly glad to have you here. We recognize that there are many places that you could have been this morning, and we're thankful that you have chosen to worship here at La Prada. We're also thankful for our regular members. Thankful for you being here in this assembly today. Thankful for another day that God has touched us, allowed us to rise. We're thankful we're able to offer up this worship service. Thankful for those who have looked to Jesus for salvation. To those who have gone down in baptism. To those who are in the kingdom of God. And to those who look to heaven. One day we will be. We rejoice and we are able to edify and encourage one another here this morning. This morning's message is going to come from the book of Ephesians. Specifically, we're going to look at uh, the first three verses of the sixth chapter. However, before jumping right to chapter six, I think it's appropriate that we take a moment just to get some background information, some context, so we can better understand the, the commands that we are going to look at in chapter six. So the book of Ephesians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in the city of Ephesus. You can see there on the screen, Ephesus. Ephesus was the largest city in the Roman province of Asia. And its population was about 300,000 people at the time Paul wrote. It's basically a little bit bigger than the city of Garland. From chapters 18, 19, and 20 in the book of Acts, we learn that the Apostle Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila labored together in Ephesus. Paul left, but he later came back, and he spent about two years, we can read about Acts 19, establishing and working with the church there in Ephesus. And it is believed that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, the book of Ephesians, while he was in prison in Rome. For in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he mentions that he was a prisoner of Christ. But it's in this letter that Paul wrote to remind the Christians there at Ephesus of the blessings that we have in Christ and how our lives should be, how we should live because of those blessings. And so in the first three chapters, we find that the Apostle Paul focused on doctrine and teaching, telling the audience, telling the recipients of the letter of their position in Christ. And it is obvious that this letter is written to Christians for Paul says that God has chosen us that we would be holy and without blemish. He says, God has adopted us into his family. He says, God has redeemed us by the blood of Christ. He says, as Christians, we have been forgiven of our sins. And later he says that God has revealed to us the mystery of his will. And he goes on to tell us what that mystery is. That mystery is that the Jews and the Gentiles are now fellow heirs of one body, which is the church. And he says that he has given the Holy Spirit to each one of us as a down payment or pledge of our inheritance that we will receive later on that great eternal day. And so as we get past the first three chapters and on into chapter four, the, the letter gets a bit more practical. As he starts to instruct the recipients of the letter how they should be, how they should be conducting themselves, their behavior based on the doctrine that was laid out in the first three chapters. It is in verse one of chapter four where Paul beseeches or urges or exhorts them to live in a way that is worthy 
of the vocation in which they were called. In other words, he says, you've been adopted into God's family. You've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Now it's time to live in a way that is appropriate for such a calling. He also discusses the various gifts that Christ has given to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These gifts that serve to build up and equip the church, to build up the Christians for the work of the ministry. And then we get into chapter 5, where he instructs the recipients of the letter to be imitators of God. And it proceeds to tell of the activities and behaviors that should be shunned, things that should be avoided, things that the godly should be doing or pursuing also. Things like fornication and all uncleanness and filthiness and covetousness, things that Christians should not be involved in because they bring about the wrath of God. But instead, how we should be walking as children of light. And we've been speaking on the very subject, walking as children of light and the love that we have for one another on Wednesday evenings as we've been studying through the book of First John. And Paul then concludes chapter 5 as he speaks on the relationship between the husband and the wife and how God has set order for the home. And then he turns his attention in chapter 6 to children and how they are to conduct themselves. And so that is what we're going to look at here. That brings us to chapter 6 and the portion of this letter that we want to focus on today. And so we'll go ahead and read the first few verses here that we plan to look at. And it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So here we find a portion of God's word written specifically to children. It doesn't say, parents, tell your children to obey. Parents, tell your children to honor you. It speaks to the children, because they are right there in the assembly with their parents as this letter was read. Yes, when this letter was read in the church there in Ephesus so many years ago, the children were there with their parents and they heard these commands directed to them. The charge to obey is directed at the children. So this lets us know that it is directed at children that are old enough to understand these commands and children that are still living under the care and guidance of their parents. Yes, these commands we're looking at are directed at children this morning. However, I don't want anybody else to tune me out just because this portion of Scripture is directed to children because I believe as we continue reading, as we, as we study this, we're going to find things that are applicable to each and every one of us here today. So don't tune me out. This isn't just for children today. For children, this is definitely focused on you, these first few verses. So children, listen up because these are God's commands for you. The Bible says that you are to obey your parents in the Lord and to honor your mother, and father. And obey means to be obedient to, to listen to the commands of your parents and to follow them willingly. In other words, when you are told by your parents to do something, you do as they say. You do it immediately. And you do it with a good attitude. Honor. Honor your parents means to value, to revere, to cherish, to show appreciation for And honor is reflected in your actions. It is reflected in your speech. It is is reflected in your attitude towards your parents. 
The Bible says you should treat your parents as if they are valuable. They're valuable to you, and you give them the respect that they deserve because God has ordained this order in the family and has given you parents, has given you family. So these are the commands that God has given to you. Honor and obey your parents. Pretty simple. There's nothing here that's too hard to understand. So let's take those commands, those two simple commands, and elaborate on them for the rest of this message as we consider a few reasons why you should obey these commands. First off, we should obey these commands because it is a command of God. Children, you are told to obey not because it pleases your parents, even though it does. Not because it makes them happy, because it does. Not because it makes life easier for them, because it certainly does, but because it is right. This is a command from God, and it is the right thing to do. And the same command is repeated when the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. Colossians 3 and 20 says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So when you obey your parents in the Lord and in all things, you are obeying the command of God and you are pleasing to him. And that should be your goal in life if you're striving to be a Christian. However, on the flip side, when you choose to disobey your parents, you are in rebellion. You're in rebellion to God. You're rejecting his command to you. And that is not pleasing to God. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, these first four verses here, Paul writes about how in the last days, which are the days that we're living in right now, things are going to get difficult. Things are going to be bad. The sinfulness of man is going to abound. It's going to be abound. All over. And Paul writes that People will be selfish, people will be covetous, people will be blasphemers, they will be unthankful, they will be unholy. And notice in all these things, these, these, these negative characteristics, these negative attributes about society that Paul speaks on in these last days, we see right there in the middle, disobedient to parents. We may rationalize and feel that being disobedient to parents is minor. There's so many other things that I do well and I do right. But from the verses that we've looked at so far, we must understand that this is a big thing to God. And the sin of disobedience to parents is just one of the many reasons that we see that things are so bad in society today. We obey because it is a command of God. Another reason you're to honor and obey your parents is because obedience brings blessings. Obedience to your parents can be a blessing to you. Paul says that honoring your mother and your father is the first commandment with promise. So this causes us to look back, to look back to the Ten Commandments where this command was first given. Exodus 20 and 12, which says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Here we read in the law, the law that was given to Moses, that the days of children who honored their parents would be long upon the land, would be long there in the promised land. The same principle is also taught in the book of Proverbs. 
Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart, hearts keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Paul said similar in verse 3, when he wrote that children should honor and obey their parents, that it may be well with them, that they may live long on the earth. So what does this mean, live long on the earth? Paul is speaking about a general principle general principle of why children should obey their parents. He isn't saying that when children obey their parents that you're going to live to the age of 100. And he's not saying that those who are disobedient are going to die at an early age. Generally, when children obey their parents as commanded by God, they're able to avoid, avoid many of the traps, pitfalls, potholes that could shorten their life. Children, your parents have been living longer than you. They have more life experience than you. They are more knowledgeable than you. And despite how smart or wise that you think you are at such a young age, your parents have more wisdom than you. All that your parents have is put to use for your benefit. The rules that your parents give you, the discipline from your parents, the advice, the advice that they offer, the teaching that they offer, and the godly example of their lives before you is able to keep you from getting caught up in a lot of bad things that could hinder your life, things that could cause you heartache, things that could make life more difficult for you. That's one of the blessings of your parents if you were able to take advantage of them. The obedient child of godly parents aren't usually out in the streets running all kinds of night. They aren't out getting arrested. They aren't getting caught up in barroom fights. They aren't caught up with drugs and alcohol. There's so many negative things that you're able to avoid in life if you obey your parents and heed their wisdom. Because they love and they care for you. And they want the very best for you. Children, your parents, they've been where you've been. They were once preteens. They were once teenagers. They've walked down the same road of life that you were going down right now. And believe it or not, they actually understand the things that you are dealing with. And of course, times have changed. Things are a little bit different today. Your parents may not understand Snapchat or Instagram or whatever apps or whatever activities that the things that you're into today but they do understand that there is nothing new under the sun some things don't change they understand that you're going to face peer pressure to do the things that they have taught you not to do they understand dating they understand dealing with the opposite sex they understand a lot more than you know your parents have experienced life They've gained wisdom that they can share with you to help you to be successful in life. If you listen to your parents, they can probably keep you from making some mistakes that would be a detriment to your life. We find a biblical example of this in the story of Samson in Judges 13. And we actually talked about this back in March when we spoke on Samson, but we'll cover it again briefly here for anyone who wasn't here. An angel of the Lord appeared to Samson's parents and told them of his upcoming birth. 
and how he would be a man of God and he would begin to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. In Judges 14, Samson, when he was a grown man, he went to town and the Bible says that he saw a beautiful woman. A beautiful woman, but she was a Philistine. And why does that matter? The Philistines were the enemies of God's people. And marriage with them was forbidden. But Samson didn't care. That wasn't a concern of his because this woman was so beautiful. Samson told his parents that he was in love. And he told his parents he wanted to marry this woman. He said, get this woman for me. But his parents knew better. They pleaded with him to choose a woman better suited for him. A Hebrew Hebrew woman. A godly woman. I imagine they probably said something like this. Out of all these Hebrew women that are here around us, why are you out here looking at these Philistine women? They knew that the Philistine women didn't fear God. But Samson had his mind made up. Samson was an adult. Therefore, his parents respected his decision. They proceeded to arrange the marriage for their son. And needless to say... This was not a good decision on Samson's part. The parents knew it. They saw the train wreck coming. But he didn't heed their advice. If he had only listened, he could have saved himself so much trouble. But in the end, God used Samson's decisions to accomplish his ultimate will. The lesson here is your parents have much wisdom. Much wisdom that they can share with you and help you. Help you and guide you, but you must do your part to heed their wisdom when they give it and even obey it. Moving on, another reason for children to be obedient to their parents is because learning to honor and respect authority is an important life lesson that we all need to learn, that we all have to learn. Romans 13 teaches us that that there are authorities in place that are God-ordained from the kings, queens, Presidents even to evil dictators that rule in foreign lands. Romans 13 reads, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. God has set the world in order so that there isn't chaos, but that there are authorities in place, that there is at least some sort of order. Now, sometimes those authorities are good. Sometimes they are just and they are upright, and we should be thankful for that. But sometimes those authorities are crooked. They're evil and unjust. And I think that is just one of the reasons why we are commanded to pray for those in authority. However, when we reject, when we rebel against authorities, those God-ordained authorities, the Bible says that we're rebelling against God. In this world, everybody submits to somebody. That is the order, and it is the way of the world. You may think that you are on your own, and you're your own person, and you submit to no one, but you do submit to somebody, whether you realize it or not. You obey the commands of your teacher or principal in the school. You obey the commands of your manager, your team leader, or boss at work. You obey the direction of your coach, if you're on a team, of your band director, if you're in band, of the policeman on the street. 
the judge in the courtroom, and so on. People who have a problem respecting authority are probably going to have a hard time in life when they face the real world. If you have a problem obeying the commands of your parents, you're going to have a hard time in life obeying your boss when he tells you to do something that you don't want to do. If you have a hard time submitting to authority, you're going to have a hard time submitting to the police officer. And you're going to find yourself in jail or dead. So it is best for you to learn to respect authority in the home with your parents before you get out and face the real world on your own. Learning to respect authority. So begin with your parents. Now let us turn our attention from the children to the parents. You remember that Paul wrote this letter to the church. These aren't instructions to the world. These aren't commands to unbelievers. This letter is written to Christians, Christian children, Christian parents, to the church, to those who love and serve God. It is appropriate that parents teach their children to obey. Parents, you are commanded to do this. Your children are commanded to obey and honor you. And this assumes that you are teaching your children the right way and teaching them to obey. It is your responsibility to teach your children that things generally go well when they obey and that there are negative consequences to disobedience. And I'm sure we've all seen in the store, out there in life, the child who straight up embarrasses their parents by throwing temper tantrums to get whatever they want. And we see the parent gives in. Don't let that be you. You have a responsibility to not let that be you. Otherwise, you are teaching them that disobedience is okay and indirectly teaching them to sin because obedience is commanded by God. Scriptures for your consideration here. Proverbs 22 and 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. There is a way that you need to be training up your child. And that way is a way that is pleasing to God. Proverbs 22 and 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from sale. Parents, it is your job to train up your children, to teach them to obey, to teach them the way to live, the right way to live. You don't let them choose to go their own way. You don't let them find their way. The Bible is clear as it instructs you are to train them up in the right way. You're supposed to train them up in the right way, and that includes... Discipline. And sometimes that discipline calls for the rod of correction. As Christian parents, it is also our responsibility to ensure that our children know and understand the Word of God. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, does a good job of summarizing the responsibility of a parent. As it says, in these words, that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children 
and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. The words here help us to see that we are to be diligently doing this, diligently teaching, continually teaching our children God's way. Children need spiritual training from their parents. You don't offload that responsibility. You don't outsource that responsibility to anyone. It is your responsibility. And as parents, we are under divine mandate to train our children to live in this world and to strive to make heaven their home. We need to teach our children what is right and also urge and encourage them to live righteous lives. Parents, no matter how important or or esteemed that your career or job may be, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or even the president of the United States, one day it will fade away. One day your work will become insignificant. One day your work will be forgotten. But the soul of your child will live on in eternity, whether in heaven or hell. So the time you invest in your child to raise them right is invaluable. Let us consider 2 Timothy. Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, a young evangelist. Now, we don't have time to dig into all the details today, but Timothy's mother was Jewish, and she had become a Christian. His grandmother also was a Christian. But the only thing the Bible says about Timothy's father is that he was Greek, so we assume that he wasn't a Christian. In 2 Timothy 1 and 5, Paul wrote, I am reminded of your sincere faith, speaking of Timothy here, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Paul is speaking of Timothy's faith and says the faith that you have is first in your grandmother and then in your mother, and now I know it's in you. Note that the faith of the father isn't mentioned. Isn't mentioned by Paul, just a mother and a grandmother. Timothy's father may have provided for his physical needs, but it appears that he didn't have much part in his spiritual upbringing. Paul specifically calls out the faith of Timothy's mother and grandmother. Both of them had a great deal to do with his faith. But as we look across families today, there may be a void. There may be an absent parent or even absent parents in raising of a child. Divorce happens. Things like that happen. That's unfortunate. But as aunts, as uncles, as cousins, as grandparents, and even as brothers and sisters in Christ, those in church, there's an opportunity for each one of us to be a positive influence in the lives of the children that we interact with, modeling good Christian behavior, investing in the lives of children to help them to learn to live righteous lives. We all have an opportunity to do that. You don't have to be a parent to do that. We all have an opportunity to live godly lives before children and invest in them and help them. Now, up to this point, we've addressed the children in the room. We've addressed the parents in the room. Now let us expand to consider all the adults in the room. What is your obligation to your parents? You're no longer a child. You're no longer living under their care. You're no longer called to be obedient to your parents. 
but you are still called to honor your parents. God used them to bring you up in this world and to raise you. Now that the relationship has changed and you are an adult, you see and you understand the weaknesses and the faults of your parents. You accept and you love them despite the faults that they may have had because you now understand the challenge of being a parent. You focus on what they did right and you learn from them. You honor your parents today whether they are still living or gone by how you live your life because you're a reflection of them. Let us consider these Proverbs. Proverbs 10 and 1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. A foolish son is grief is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. How you live your life and your choices does have an impact on your parents. Wise and righteous children bring joy to their parents. But foolish ones, as the proverb says, cause them sorrow, bitterness, and shame. And tell the truth, it's the same way with our Heavenly Father. When we as Christians live righteous lives, we bring honor and glory to God. But when sin reigns in our lives, it brings shame on the church and dishonor to God. As we get ready to close, one final way adult children can honor our parents is how we care for them. There will come a time when your parents, if you're blessed to still have them living, they will need you. As they age and the tables turn, you will need to care for them when they can't care for themselves. And the Bible gives us instruction for this stage of life. Looking again, 1 Timothy 5, 5 and 4 and 5 and 8, the Bible says, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to, her own, to their own household, and then make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. And in verse 8 it says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith, and is worse than an unbeliever. The Bible says that our faith is demonstrated by how we care for our family members. It's not the government's responsibility to care for your parents. It's not the church's responsibility to do that either. We read here that it is the child's responsibility to care for the parents. And this is how you're able to put your faith to work, caring for the needs of your parents. The Bible says that you are worse than an unbeliever when you don't do this. Just one other way that we honor our parents and how we take care of them. So as we conclude, I hope that this message has been profitable to you. From God's word, we have discussed the responsibilities of children to their parents, the responsibility of parents to their children, and the responsibility that we all have. We're adults as we look to our parents and give them honor. Now is the time for the invitation where you have an opportunity to respond. Perhaps you would like to ask for prayers. This is certainly time, the time to do that. Perhaps today is the day that you have chosen that you want to become a Christian. You want to be added to the body. You want to be forgiven of your sins. 
we are ready to study with you and help you understand all that God requires of you if you're willing to make that step this morning. Whatever the request, the request you may have, we are ready to receive you down here up front as we stand and sing the song that has been selected. And to Jesus for the cleansing power, are you 